knowing that you also are a professional actress and model, you're also a podcaster, correct? I am, yes. <laughs> you can now say yes to that. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bromar Show. I am your host, Bromar. And in this episode, this is going to be the first time we have a professional actress and model on the show. So a little bit of a tease on who she is. She was actually a co-star for Showtime's Homeland. Along with that, she was also a co-star for CBS's Blue Bloods. She was a guest star for MTV's One Bad Choice. And get this, she was the lead role for Battle of the Bands. Yeah, I know, that's that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> so we're going to get to know her here in a little bit of a closer level. And of course, we're going to talk about what her new normal has been like as a professional actress and personally. We'll talk about that here in just a couple moments. So far, I have gotten myself into this little hobby. And a lot of people will say, it's podcasting, of course, Bromar. No, it's not. I mean, it's one of them. But the one that I've been putting a lot of focus on recently is cactuses. Yep, I think that's how you say the plural form, cactuses, or is it cacti? I'm not sure, but... <laughs> so I've been propagating some cactus right? And basically what that means is when pups grow off from a cactus, you can just pop them off or take them off. And depending on the cactus you have, some just fall off easily. Others, you have to use some tools and just kind of cut them through. And, and basically you put the propagated slash cut cactus in a different pot. And since I had little baby little cactuses, I try to find like the smallest objects in which I can use for it as a pot. And so that's what I've been doing with my free time right now is harvesting cactus and other type of succulents. I'm not so much of a succulent person just because they're not really as spunky and as spiky as a cactus. However, if it's a really nice looking succulent, I'll take it in. And then I feel like I have to give it more maintenance for a succulent compared to a cactus. So... I'll actually post some pictures and some behind the scenes content here for the first time in the Bromar show because I feel like, well, instead you just hear me talk, talk, talk. Maybe you get to see what I'm doing behind the studio, behind the mic. And that's just one way to keep you more engaged and basically well, keep you connected because pretty sure we all have our different lives and everything and just tuning into each other's lives, I think it's it's pretty cool because it's just looking at it from a different perspective. I had I feel like I I feel like that has been taught to me several times. I don't remember by who, but <laughs> but yeah, I've been recently propagating some cactus. Uh, the next step will be to start grafting them, which that's a little bit more of a riskier and more complicated process just because, well, there's variations to it. And along with that, it's kind of like a, you got to make sure you do it right if you want a really good success rate out of it. But nonetheless, yeah, I'm into growing cactus right now. And I'll continue this until the wildfires in California and the rent prices go down. So that's pretty much it. The Bromar Show would like to welcome Michelle Miller here on part of my new normal series and of course this is where we talk about our new normals and whatnot but let's get to know our guest first here michelle miller we're going to go ahead and jump right into the question here so the first question i'm going to ask you is where are you from 
I am born and raised in New York City. Okay. Yeah. I actually was born in Brooklyn, and uh, yeah, that was it. Oh, oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, I'm 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 obviously biased, mm-hmm. but I love it. Yeah, I've only been there for let's see. I know I had to go there to like fix my like documents in regards to like my birth certificate since they messed up my last name, and that was probably the only time I've actually gone over to Brooklyn is just specifically for that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Great. So the next question would be, how would you describe yourself as a person? Ooh, um, as a person, I feel like I am very smart. Mm -hmm. I am talented. Mm -hmm. I'm really determined. Like I'm someone who like, I mean, I think you have to be to be an actor, Mm -hmm. but like I'm really into like, if you give me a task, even if it's like fixing the clasp on a chain or, you know, a puzzle, like I'm someone who needs to get it done. Like it's part of my personality. Okay. So, yeah. All right. And then knowing that you also are a professional actress and model, you're also a podcaster, correct? I am. Yes. (laughs) You can now say yes to that. (laughs) All right. So then tell us about your podcast. You know, what's it about? Yeah, my podcast is called Mentors on the Mic. And so I interview very accomplished mentors in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. and ask them how they started and how they moved up. So what's really great about that is, you know, I've gotten these really great mentors from really different parts of the industry. So my first mentor, for instance, is like a Hollywood producer and director. He's directed episodes of like Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC to Mm -hmm. like major films with like Oscar winning actors. And so that's super interesting. But then also like one of my last episodes is an editorial analyst at Netflix. So he talks about tagging and metadata and what that means and talks about it in a very interesting way that even someone like me gets it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's nice to talk to all these different people people in the field. And, you know, the podcast is for really anyone who's interested in entertainment and learning about people. But I think specifically who I have in mind are people who either are trying to get into the industry in some way, mm-hmm. or people who really want to move up in the industry, but might not know what roles are out there. You know, we, it's very easy to see like the director and the writer and the actor and be like, okay, I kind of understand how that works. But then you're like, well, what's a production manager? And how important is, you know, a production manager on a film set? And mm-hmm. It's really important. Or what about like the person at NBC who analyzes the research and, and the analysis behind like the ratings of each show? And mm-hmm. so it's been really cool to explore all these different people and their journeys to how they got to where they are today. Oh, that's very nice. And so this is kind of leading how you got into your podcast. So what got you into acting? Mm. Well, I was lucky. I went to an elementary school, like a public elementary school in New York, and we had a drama class. Mm -hmm. And so it was this really fun class that I got to just perform on like a little mini stage in front of all the other kindergartners and first graders. And that led to like doing school plays and being in the choir. And at some point, I don't know if I think it was maybe six or seven. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember exactly what happened or what instigated this thought, but I had the thought of, oh, I could do this as a career, like this fun thing that I love so much. This is like a real job that a real career people do. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Like I told my acting teacher, like, I'm going to win an Oscar and I'm going to thank you. And she was like, <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. So I did that. And then shortly after she, my acting, my drama teacher chose me and like a few other people to be on the Rosie O'Donnell show. She got some sort of hookup to that. And Mm -hmm. that was sort of like the start of everything. Oh, that's very nice. And then this is continuing on talking about your journey in regards to acting. So what were some challenges along the way? Ooh, um, definitely the last few years, there's, you know, in any actor's career, there's ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the downs are just a getting in your own way a little bit. Like you get these auditions and you're like, oh man, like I really wanted that one. And when you audition for a film or TV show, commercial, anything really, you don't hear back unless you've moved forward. And so unless you've gotten called back for it, unless you've been pinned for it or been on hold for it, essentially, or you book it, you're not going to hear back. So there's just a lot of like unknown out there where you're like, I thought that was really good. And I you don't hear anything back. And mm-hmm. so that's a sort of crazy thing. Um, specific moments that come to mind are like, I remember the first time I booked a major film with like Will Smith and Colin Farrell and Jennifer Connelly and uh, Russell Crowe was in it. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited. I only had one line, but I, it was like my first major audition and I booked it and it was the best day on set. I had my own trailer. I had my own production assistant, like follow me around with like Uggs for when I got cold. Mm-hmm. It was really insane. And I just felt really happy and good. And when the movie came out, I'd been promoting it. I was like, oh my God, my first movie's coming out. It's Valentine's Day. So exciting. And I got my hair done, which I never do. And I got a new outfit, and mm-hmm. which I hate shopping. So that was funny. <laughs> and, I, and I showed up to the cast and crew screening. So the, the crew was there. And then most of the cast, not the major actors, but like the director came and did a speech and whatever. And my mom was my plus one. Mm-hmm. And we sat down in the theater and I was so so excited, just super electric, uh, electrified. And I watched the film and my scene was cut. Ooh. And that was just, a, that was difficult. I was oh, trying wow. to put on a brave face for that, but I, I was sad. So, you know, that's something that comes to mind, but also something that I get to tell on, on you know, shows like this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, since it sounds like a pretty sad moment there, we're going to go ahead and bring in a more happier moment here. So what would you consider your best work? Mm, I would say, ooh, uh, some of my best work that you can see, which some of the work I've done are like plays, but it's hard to, it's hard to find a copy of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing you can see was I was on a show called One Bad Choice on MTV. Mm-hmm. It was oh, yeah. a scripted show. And I was the lead of this episode. It was actually the first episode of the series. Uh-huh. Um, it didn't air first. I think it aired in the middle of the season. But it was the first one shot. I was the first one. And it was so cool. And it was such a sad story, but important story to tell. Mm-hmm. And my story is about two girls in high school who went to a party and did ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And one girl died. And my character got convicted for it. Yeah. So very intense. <laughs> yeah, I I actually checked that one oh, bad choice did? out. Yeah, it I was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> It's, yeah. in, it's intense. I, I remember my cousin who was in high school at the time showed it to some classmates who showed it to like who talked about it to their health teacher mm-hmm. and the health teacher for her school showed it to all of the health classes that he taught mm-hmm. to like teach them about 
drugs and what it does to your system and choices that you can make that might help um, that situation. But it was just really impactful. Like I really felt like it was an important story to share and people could learn from it. And as an actor, it was also really nice to be on. So mm-hmm. I would say that probably is one. I'm glad you, you saw it. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, no, it, it actually, it was really interesting. And I honestly, I think it did probably is doing some impact. And I'm pretty sure there's schools out there playing this video, especially in high school since uh, at least in the township where I'm from, they stress on the education about drugs and alcohol. And I right. think at some point this is going to make it into the township and all the other surrounding schools. So oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you consider the best part about being an actress? Oh, the best part is the feeling I get when I get to act. Mm-hmm. That feeling is just unparalleled. Um, just there's this, there's these, you know, when you're there, when you're there on any set, it's really magical because there's so many people going around, like we're all working towards the same goal. We're all trying to tell a really great story that we feel like will help people and impact people in some way. Mm-hmm. But what's really nice is just stepping into a new character and just finding where that character and you overlap and feeling kind of like in this state of flow that a lot of people who are in art talk about, whether they're writers or actors or painters there's this flow that happens where you're just you just feel so good and just so present and so like in your body and just it's it's a hard thing to explain but when you're done you're kind of like out of it and you're like oh wow that was Mm -hmm. so much fun like (laughs) I want to do it again I want to do it again so that's my favorite part yeah, and it, um, I kind of want to touch back onto acting for on stage on theater. Sure. What would you consider the best character you performed on stage? Mm. So there are two. One when I was really young, I still like to count it because I did it for so long. I was in an off Broadway show called "I Never Saw Another Butterfly," mm-hmm. and I think we did like at one point you know, do like sixteen shows in two weeks for a while. Like it was just a lot, and. I remember, you know, I played this little girl who died in a concentration camp in the Holocaust. Mm. So at like 11 to learn what that means, but also just to be in a group of people who take acting very seriously at such a young age, we all would have fun, but also would just know that like, this is what we all wanted to do. So that was really, really fun. And I felt like I was was telling a really amazing story. And then the other one was in high school, actually. In my senior year, I did a play called Proof. Mm -hmm. where I played Catherine and Catherine's character is kind of struggling with a lot of stuff. Her father died. She took care of her father who was schizophrenic. And Mm. so the relation it's, it really shows the relationship between girl and her father. And that really sort of struck home with me personally, with my family life. And then how she, for a while, you know, a lot of people kind of look at her and think she might have what her father has Mm -hmm. because she's just as smart as him. They're both mathematicians. They also think that she might be hallucinating like a boyfriend. Turns Mm -hmm. out she's not. But that whole story was so great. And I got like the best feedback from it. I loved playing her and I hope to play her again one day. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. So then now that we got to know you a little bit better, now we're going to touch on basically your new normal since, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely changed people's lives. And to some extent, it changed mine, but sure. not as much as other people. So mm-hmm. how would you describe your day in your shoes before the pandemic? So my days um, in my shoes, uh, a lot of running around, you know, like Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I did, you know, I do a lot of freelance work. I obviously audition a lot. So whether I'm going to an audition or 
studying going home and then setting lines or putting a new outfit together for an audition. Mm-hmm. Or I do a lot of freelance work. So I do a lot of coaching. I teach public speaking. I teach Hebrew. I teach acting and actors. So a lot of that would be also involved writing around, whether I'm teaching a workshop in Midtown mm-hmm. or then afterwards I'm going, you know, uptown for, for this private to, you know, private lesson, or I'm going to an audition. Like there's just so many things that I feel like I was running around for all the time. Mm -hmm. And obviously totally different now. There's a little bit of running around, but very little. Yeah. (laughs) So that kind of like my day to day was running around to different appointments, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And um, yeah. How would you describe your day in your shoes during the pandemic now? So during the pandemic, it's it's hard to say because a little bit, you know, it's evolved over time just because when it first happened, it changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Firstly, all of my acting stuff, actually, okay, so right away, like the first six weeks, mm-hmm. super busy acting stuff. The major difference was I was not running around anymore. Everything was at home. Mm-hmm. Was, I was at home. 99% of the time, I think it would take a walk here and there, but mm-hmm. very rarely. And I had a lot of self tapes. So self tapes, you tape yourself for an audition. So I had a lot of self tapes, I sent in a self tape for an audition for Star Trek, which was really cool. Oh, I mean, nice. they're not filming anytime soon, but it was an awesome audition. And then I had a lot of open calls. So I think a lot of casting directors took that free time to put together open calls where actors would submit self tapes or auditions or monologues or scenes to the casting director for their reels mm-hmm. for review not for a particular role but just for that casting director to get to know more actors that when they do start to cast again they have a whole network of actors now to look for and to look through and probably gain social media followers as a result and so the first six weeks super busy with self-tapes and submissions and auditions etc and once that died down, what I did was I still kept doing all my freelance jobs. Mm-hmm. It's just that now I didn't have to run around to people's houses. So like if I was teaching a pu- you know public coaching session, now my client and I were doing it over Zoom. So mm-hmm. I it's almost going to be hard to go back because you know you now factor in you know moving in and around the city. I don't know how many mm-hmm. listeners like know about the hustle and bustle and, and traveling everywhere, but it sometimes it could be like forty five minutes to an hour to get to one place. Mm-hmm. I always put around forty five minutes to an hour to get somewhere, and so if I have a three o'clock coaching session till four, mm-hmm. I can't make my next thing till like 4.45 or five to be safe. I did 4.30, I might make it there, but I might be rushing. Mm-hmm. So I'm saving now 45 minutes an hour where I would have been on the train reading or looking at lines or something. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just home. So I could make a three o'clock to four o'clock and then I make it 4.05 to 5.05. <laughs> or like it saves me a lot of time in that way. There's very little auditions happening obviously now because of covid so Mm -hmm. everything's really shut down they're starting to open little by little Mm -hmm. we'll see how long that goes for so every once in a while you get an audition that trickles in everything is going to be on zoom for a while so Mm -hmm. you're not going to go to for in-person auditions i think so that's really changed and then of course i get to do my podcast so that really (laughs) takes up so much of my time as you know yeah that's my new normal is just at home or at somewhere for long periods of time, just either editing or promoting or, you know, just interviewing people mm-hmm. and yeah, and, and organizing meetings and like Zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> so this is touching back to because you do coaching, right? Yeah. So before the pandemic, were you more like local when it came to coaching? 
yeah, I think so. I mean, there there were occasional things that I would do. Hmm, mm-hmm. I think most of the stuff would be local, like around here, and then people would come from a little bit out of New York to sometimes like New Jersey or Long Island or whatever Philadelphia to come to a class. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching a group of models later. They're mm-hmm. um, specifically acting stuff. And the same group of people or similar group of people were from all over and they did an event in New York last year. So I did something for them last year, but in New York. So yeah, I think mostly it was local. Okay. So then now because you're doing most of your meetings or coaching remotely, is there a possibility that you would outsource outside the state or maybe even the country? When you say outsource, do you mean like reach more people? Yeah. Or mis- yeah. So yeah, I would say so. Like, for example, the the model group of people, I'm sure a lot of them are from all over. They don't have to come to the city for a workshop or a class for the day. They can do everything online. So mm-hmm. there's going to be people from all over the states or maybe all over the world. Obviously, the podcast can go all over the world. So that's super cool. And then, oh, yeah, like this weekend, I'm teaching at an actor's retreat, mm-hmm. like actors for an actor's retreat. And that's from all over, too. Okay. So there's just more opportunities to hit people from outside the city now. Okay. So then what would you consider your favorite hobbies? Hmm. Well, actively, I would say tennis. I don't do it very often. I I did play tennis last week, but Mm -hmm. it's the only thing that I let myself not be that great at, but I enjoy. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I'm just not great. (laughs) Um, And then... You know, obviously, my podcast is an interesting one. I guess some people could consider it a hobby, Mm -hmm. but I put so much time into it. It's funny to think of it as just a hobby. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing a book right now outside of everything. So that can be considered a hobby. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Is there any new hobbies that you picked up after, you know, we got on shutdown and the pandemic happened? Um. The podcast, maybe. Mm, like, okay. if I consider that a hobby, that's like way more time than an actual hobby usually, but like not my full time job. Okay. Then I would consider the hobby being definitely podcasting. Okay. <laughs> and all that comes with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. So then you described a little bit about how the pandemic has affected you on a professional level. How has the pandemic affected you personally? Um, Okay. So, well, first of all, I'd like to say, luckily, I really haven't had anyone close to me come down with COVID or had a scare. Mm -hmm. My old roommate did actually develop symptoms, but Mm -hmm. she was okay while I was living with her. So Mm -hmm. that was fun. Um, (laughs) Overall, I guess the only thing that's really, really changed is the lack of auditions for acting and not being as preoccupied about acting as I have been in the past because there's less going on with it. Mm -hmm. So I just don't feel as stressed out about acting stuff or as like fixated on it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So then I guess you could apply both before COVID and also during COVID. What would be advice you would give to those following your footsteps or at least someone who would plan to follow your footsteps? Sure. As an actor or podcast host? Let's go for both. Yeah, for sure. Um, Acting-wise, I would say find coaches and teachers and mentors that will help you get ahead because mm-hmm. you can find all the information out, but it might take you a few years when if you have a coach or mentor to help you, it'll take a lot less time. Mm-hmm. And then another thing I would say is to not, and, and I really believe this, and this kind of goes very hand in hand with the podcast, so it'll, it'll be a nice segue, but find something else you love mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and want. I feel like there's this misconception that you should devote your whole life to acting in order to be an actor. I felt that way, you know, mm-hmm. when I wanted to I always wanted to be an actress. When I graduated college, I knew this was the time. I was like, well, I know it's really hard, but I will do it because I'm going to put 100% into it. And while there's an importance to that in some way, on the other hand, it puts too much stress on one thing. You know, you're putting everything into one basket Mm -hmm. and it's not, and I feel like there's this misconception that if you put your eggs in multiple baskets, then you're going to, you're not you know, focus on the one thing you really want. You know what I mean? Like you might have that fail, but something else, or it might not work. But I feel like if you put all your eggs in one basket, you're putting too much pressure on yourself for that one thing. Mm -hmm. So like as an actor, for instance, you just focus on acting, you're not getting any love or happiness from anything else as much because you're really just focused on one thing. This is what I really believe. And so like as an actor, if you don't get the part, which happens more often than not, Mm -hmm. the amount of roles that I've booked is nothing in compared to how many I haven't, which is normal. When you don't book something, it becomes so much harder. Mm-hmm. And then when you, not only that, when you go into an audition, the pressure is so high because you keep telling, you can't help but tell yourself, if I get this, mm-hmm. my whole life has changed. You know, if I book this major Star Trek thing, mm-hmm. if I book this major TV show, my life changes. My whole career is different. You know, I'm making all this money. I get all these opportunities. And so I think it's important to do and find other things you love that you get love and enjoy from so that you don't have to focus only on acting all the time and get all your joy from just this one thing that can't always give back to you and you don't have very much control over. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd say for an actor. And then with regards to being a podcast host, I would say research for a period of time, like give yourself some time to like do the work ahead of time, have a good launch. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I had a good launch, but like you could even do better. Like I, I've been reading up and talking to people about it after I launched mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of suggestions on like, I don't know if you feel about this, but like there's a lot of suggestions on like dropping three episodes, your first your first day. Mm-hmm. So the first day I have three episodes and I only dropped one. It was a good one, but I mm-hmm. only dropped one. The benefit of dropping three is if someone listens to that one and they and then they like it, mm-hmm. they'll probably listen to the second and third right away. Mm-hmm. And so right away you're getting more listens, right away you're getting more views, right away you have more op- uh, more opportunity for them to subscribe to your channel because they're like, "Oh, well, I just invested in two or three episodes." Like Mm-hmm. I'm in, like, I'm going to subscribe. And people are very into binging right now. So mm. whether they binge three episodes of your podcast in a row or three episodes of a Netflix show, they're very into listening to as many as possible right away. So I would say start with a strong launch, have lots of promotion as much as possible ahead of time and drop three episodes on your first day. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know I scheduled three or four episodes even i think six episodes ahead but i only released once every week so i almost had it down but i yeah i should have released at least two or three of them and i would have probably had yeah i didn't know i didn't realize that too yeah so then now we're gonna hop a little bit into a fun part kind of playing a game here so what is something you would absolutely not eat um i don't like kiwi no hon i would eat that in a tart though i had it the other day in a tart and i was surprised Mm -hmm. um sorry that's usually my go-to answer but i had kiwi the other day on a fruit tart (laughs) um what's something i absolutely will not oh pork i don't eat pork oh really yeah is it more you don't like it or is it more like preference 
both really. Oh. So I grew up not eating pork because my family's Jewish. Oh, okay. And that was like a rule we followed. And then when I was 21 or so, I decided to eat all the things that I'm not supposed to eat, you know, mm-hmm. like all the things that like, and I didn't like pork. Mm. So it's mostly because of tradition and like keeping up with the tradition of that, but also I didn't like it. So. Yeah. I mean, I can eat it from time to time, but it's like the least meat I prefer. Usually my go-tos are either chicken or beef, but pork is mm-hmm. just something I don't usually eat. Like yeah. I don't mind it, but I rather have Not, beef yeah. or chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Beef, chicken, even turkey is great, mm-hmm. but just don't connect with pork. Yeah. <laughs> So if you were stranded on an island, what is something you would bring? One thing you would bring? My podcast microphone. I'm just kidding. I'm not <laughs> at all. Um, ooh, a really good book. I'm a big reader. Mm-hmm. And I feel like reading makes things like really, you know, easy. So I'd bring a book. Do you have which book in mind? No, I'm not someone. I reread some books a lot. Like mm-hmm. I read, I've read like Eat, Pray, Love like five times or something. So if anything, it'd be that one. But I like new books. Okay. I like reading new books. Yeah. I try to get into reading. Usually, it, for some reason, I need like illustrations or something and I would get yeah. lost. But Do you read a lot of like graphic novels and stuff? Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, my One of my episodes, I think it's episode six, mm-hmm. I actually interviewed a really great graphic novelist. Oh, he yeah. He's awesome comics like uh, his name is David Pepos. He does mm-hmm. these comics like Spencer and Locke and Going to the Chapel and mm. they're really big now. They're growing anyway. Yeah. And he just put out a Kickstarter for a new book that he's doing called The Oz, which is a take on Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Oh, wow. I remember I did take a listen to that episode too. And I, I was yeah. actually, yeah, I'm oh, actually getting ready to check his series of graphic novels. So what is your favorite holiday since so i know mm. holiday season's coming up halloween thanksgiving yes uh hmm. what is my favorite holiday is it weird that i don't have one in mind like i know some people like really like right away i'm like oh my god it's Halloween, mm-hmm. it's christmas i don't have one that comes to mind right away mm-hmm. but so it's like something i'm really having to think about you know i really like is new year's a holiday that counts I I would consider it, yeah. A lot of people celebrate and get I together. I would say and New Year's because not only is it a fun time, but I like the beginning of new things. Mm-hmm. Like I like starting a week off. Like Mondays are good for me. I like Mondays. Yeah. Mondays are like, oh, I have a whole week ahead of me to do stuff. Like mm-hmm. it just feels like the beginning of something. So I like that. Like my birthday just passed. Mm-hmm. It feels like a beginning of a new year for me already. Okay. Or like the beginning of a new year feels like, okay, I could set all these goals for myself. I could start from scratch. I Mm -hmm. could start anew. If I didn't do something last year, it doesn't matter. I I have a whole year now to do it. So I like beginning. Mm -hmm. And then this is a question. Well, it's a little bit on the opinionated side, but what is one petty hill you would die on? Oh, Hmm. you know, I I had a feeling this was going to come and I don't know. Um, you know, the only thing I can think of, and it's not something specific, so hopefully it's not like such a cop out, but my sister and I, she's two and a half years younger than me. Mm-hmm. We get along really well, but we also don't get along sometimes mm-hmm. as life goes on, but we used to really not get along. Mm-hmm. And we, I, my pettiest self is with her. Like sometimes I find myself, like I'll be in the middle of an argument with her and I'll be like, what am I fighting for? This is so stupid. (laughs) Or like I'll fight with her and I'll just like argue with her about something. And later I'm like, 
did I really get mad at her about this? Or like, did I really like, you know, like she has really great clothes. And so sometimes I'll borrow something. Not as much now it happens, but like, you know, a few years ago, she really used to be upset with me if I borrowed clothes from her and I hate shopping. So it's like, (laughs) sometimes I got to take what I can get. So I'll borrow clothes and she'll be like, Michelle, like you didn't ask me to borrow this before. But she's like, you didn't ask me to borrow this before. And I'm like, this is so stupid. And I'm like, I'll fight with her about it. And then later I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> this was a petty hill that I was on for a long time. Like I'm, I'm mad at her for being petty about clothes, but I'm arguing about this for too long. <laughs> so those are the petty hills. So it's basically uh, anything your sister would wear is something you won't like. <laughs> Oh my, she's really good, great clothes. Like, it's just kind of frustrating that she got this jean that likes shopping and likes new clothes. And mm-hmm. then I'm just kind of with these clothes that I'm like, they're fine. But usually it's like, I very begrudgingly go and get them or like, or she gives me clothes that she doesn't want anymore. Mm-hmm. So that always is a good day. But I don't like getting clothes. Like, I just don't like the process of shopping. I don't like trying on things. Mm-hmm. And so then I look at my clothes and I'll be like, these are so old. I've had the dress that I'm wearing now is from my aunt because she used to wear this dress. It's a great uh-huh. dress. But it's definitely like I've had it for four or five years. Like, I just <laughs> don't get new clothes. So yeah, definitely that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, shopping would be considered a petty heel. I mean, I don't typically shop. I only shop if I'm like, okay, uh, my shirt just ripped, so I, I need to get a new exactly. one. <laughs> exactly. See, that's important. You need to get a new one because, yes, I feel the same. Yeah. So, where can your podcast be found? Yeah, my podcast is pretty much, I think it's on like 10 platforms right now. So mm-hmm. I'd like to say anywhere you could find podcasts, but I don't know if that's true. Just if I find a new one that I'm not on, I'll try to get on it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still getting approved for Pandora, but you can find me on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, mm-hmm. you know, and a bunch of others I can't remember right now. Castbox. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Mentors on the mic. Yeah. And then where should people follow you on your social media? Yeah, thanks for asking. So my Instagrams are at mentors on the mic and at Michelle Simone Miller. So those are like the things I'm on all the time. Mm -hmm. I also have Twitter accounts, including Michelle Simone M and mentors on the mic. Mm -hmm. And so those are the best places to find me. I'm currently creating a group on Facebook called mentors on the mic, but I haven't invited anyone yet. Okay. But it exists. So if you (laughs) want to go find it, you'll, you can be like the first person. (laughs) All right. I'll check it out. And then what is a website that someone could visit? Yeah. So my website, my personal website is michellesimonemiller.com. I've yet to connect my podcast to it yet. It's on my to-do list, but Mm -hmm. everything else, all my after stuff is on michellesimonemiller.com. Okay. That's very nice. Well, Michelle, thanks for joining the Bromar Show and talking about your new normal and also about your podcast and basically what you do. It's been really fun hanging out here with you and hopefully we'll collaborate again. And I mean, at some point, if I end up taking part of like a role at a movie, we'll definitely join your <laughs> podcast. <so. laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Ah, it's been fun too. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what would be sweet if I had a part in a movie is if I was just a pizza delivery driver or like a UPS driver, FedEx driver, and I just knock on the door to deliver some pizza or some packages. And it's like, here's your pizza slash packages, sir. And then they give you a funny look that you're pulling out the you got to sign here part. And it's like, look, I'm just trying to do my job here. Like, I'm just a delivery person. 
please sign here. <laughs> yeah, just that 15 seconds of fame, honestly. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Again, go ahead and check out Michelle Miller's podcast, Mentors on the Mic. I promise you a lot of valuable information, especially if you plan to be going into the entertainment industry. She's got you covered in that part. Anyway, thank you for listening to the show. I really hope you gained some valuable information from the New Normal series here. And make sure you go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram, which is at The Bromar Show. And make sure you visit our website at bromarmedia.home.blog. I'll upload our weekly podcast episodes there too. And if there's anything interesting I need to write about, I'll post a blog post there. So you can go ahead and check it out. And that pretty much does it for me. So thanks again for listening and until next time.